G'day. How the hell are you going? How the bloody hell are you? Uh, welcome to episode 142 of the Average Man podcast, uh, Saved by the Bell. That's the tune that brought us in there. Um, and that is because I think what a fitting what a fitting title to this podcast when I am, and many UFC fans are still buzzing off UFC 284 last week, man. Um, we spoke about it the week before that, before the, the fight went down, about Volk, uh, the, the, the Australian featherweight champ, coming up to, to challenge Islam Makachev for the lightweight belt. And this fight did not disappoint, man. What a bloody ripper. The whole card was was awesome, mate. But that main fight, champ versus champ, pound for pound versus pound for pound, what a fight, man. That's how you want those kind of uh, competitions to go, like down to the wire. Each fight had to rip everything out of the bag. Certain strengths were, were nullified by the other fighter and they had to come up with another game plan and just it was just good man it was so good and no one really knew who won um we were sitting there hanging on the edge of your seat for the decision from the refs man uh, from the judges man so it was so bloody good volk oh i mean i was so nervous watching it i was definitely more nervous than volk was he, he was cool calm collected mate confident he was doing. He, he did a podcast with the Grin Reaper lads the the week of of the fight. Had them come to the to the hotel at the Crown there and sit down and do an you know an hour and a half long podcast. Just really was relaxed into the moment, man. And that's one of the you know one of the reasons why he's such a good competitor. He's just he's so confident. He's so cool and calm. And what a what a night of fights, man. Looked like um, it looked like Islam had a really rough weight cut. He was pretty pretty drawn out and um, you know looking pretty average the the, the day of the weigh-ins and looked pretty good on the night of the fight. So there's or the day of the fight, there was a lot of speculation that he used IV rehydrating uh, techniques, which is not allowed in the UFC. Um, who knows? We'll see what what comes out of that. But man, it was it was good. It was good. Um, I actually saw the fight. For for Islam Makachev, even though I'm a massive Volk fan, um, but close. A lot of people, you know, reckon Volk won, and and you know, uh, I know people like, who are watching it live said they thought Volk won. But honestly, and again, from a guy who's a who I'm, I like both these guys, but I'm a massive Volk fan. I wanted him to win. Um, watched it twice. I don't think he won just because of some of the ground control that the, that Islam ha- had. Didn't do a whole lot of damage to him, but did control him for. Especially in the round that's in question, round two, for a relatively long amount of time on the, on the ground. Um, so you know he, he probably got to give him that round. But he was he was coming on, man. Hence the hence the re, hence the reason this episode is called Saved by the Bell. He was coming on in the fifth, man. Volk was. He looked fresh after the fight. He looked like he was ready to go another twenty five minutes, and Islam looked absolutely spent. And that's the way he looked for the last five six minutes of the fight, really. So Volk came on strong. He's finishing on top, ground and pound, bounced up, ready to keep going. Obviously the fight's over, but if that fight had kept going, if there wasn't the, the bell didn't ring for the for the end of the, the fight, man, he was gonna come, keep coming like a wave and drown Islam, man, if he didn't finish him. Um, so, you know, even though he probably lost the fight on points, he 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 proved a lot he, he shut a lot of the all the doubters' mouths up, whoever they whoever they were, if there was any. 
He won heaps, like a ton of respect from from just the MMA community in general, all the other athletes, definitely from Islam and his team. Uh, people wrote him off uh, because he's the smaller guy coming up, big weight difference, and this is the way that Markachev has dominated everybody else that he's beat in the UFC. Um, people had sort of written him off, but he came on, put a hell of a fight on, man. And again, he was winning at the end of the fight. If it kept going, he was going to win. I think if we see him fight again, and I think we do see him fight again, the question is whether it's straight away or, or not. If they fight again, um, I think Volk actually takes him, especially if they fight straight away and Volk doesn't have to cut the weight back down to featherweight, then Volk back up again for lightweight. If he stays the weight he is now and then fights Makachev again in three, four months and puts a bit more size on and comes in even heavier again, um, then I think in knowing what he knows, that he can handle the wrestling and that he needs to respect Islam's striking a bit more um, and that he can hurt Islam, basically I think he comes on uh, a lot quicker, a lot stronger and, and wins that fight. That's, that's my opinion. Uh, a lot of people's opinion too, actually, I think. So, man, I think we see him again. And even in defeat, Volk's stock only went up. It only went up on that fight. Everyone's buzzing about Volk. You know, everyone's saying, like, he made Islam look human. People are going, if you're talking about who's the pound-for-pound pound best fighter, if these guys were the same size, because there's quite a large size difference between them. If they were the same size, man, Volk would destroy him. So pound-for-pound, pound, he's the better fighter. Um, it was just good. It was so good. Obviously, would have loved to have seen him get his hand raised, but it's the next best thing. Everyone's everyone's raving about Volk, how tough he is, how good he is, the heart that he's got, you know, the fact that he was coming on. Even when he was on the ground, you know, having the the positions were being controlled by by Islam, he was he was like talking to him in, while he was on his back with it, with the full body triangle in, punching Islam in the head and like staring him up. and was in never in danger and just was confident and comfortable in there and just yeah, mate. So he could go back down to featherweight, dominate the the guy who took the the um, Yaya Rodriguez who fought the same night on the under on the as the co-main event for the. Uh, interim featherweight belt. He could go down and unite his belts at featherweight and then come back and fight Islam. But honestly, I think it was close enough that he just lets... He lets uh, Yaya have a title defense and become the, the featherweight champ while he rematches uh, Islam and then worries about going back down and cleaning up house at featherweight. That's that's my opinion. That's how I'd like to see that go, man. Uh, what else? Jack Della fought on, on the same card. Jack Della is the Perth boy. So first time on the fighting on the main card. First time, I think, fighting for the UFC, yeah, at home in Perth. Big card, big event, uh, a lot of pressure, big spot on the card. And he delivered, man. He fought a tough dude in, in, in um, uh, what's the dude's name? Rude boy, someone, can't remember, Rudy, Rudy, Rudy Jones. Anyway, doesn't matter. Dude got knocked out. Um, Jack Della schooled him, man. It was like a real big, long rangey guy. It's like six two, six three, or something like that. Jack Della was 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 feeling him out on the outside, trying to find his openings to get in. This guy was hitting him with long range weapons, real confident, um, real fast, you know, explosive athlete. And then you know, halfway through the first round, Jack found his opening, got on the inside, hit him a couple of times, stunned this guy, dropped him, dropped him face first on the floor, kind of did a weird roll. Jack jumped on him and strangled him out, and got his first submission win in the UFC. And it was just in front of a Perth crowd, homeboy like that. It just the, the, the arena went mental, man. It sounded like such a good atmosphere down there. 
uh, way different to the one that I went to in Melbourne many moons ago. Uh, we were there, me and me and the wife were there when Ronda Rousey got knocked out, first loss. She got knocked out by Holly Holm in Melbourne, head kick knockout. And it was like during most of the fights, the arena was silent. It was at Etihad Stadium, which it was like 57,000 people there, I think. Um, and the, the arena was hell silent. Um, it's weird because you don't get the commentary and it's just like quiet and then a big moment would happen in the fight and you'd hear everyone go, ooh, and then someone would get hit and you'd hear them go, oh. And, and then like, that was the only noise you really heard. And when Ronda Rousey got head kicked, man, like the, it went from silent to the fucking roof blew off. Just... <laughs> Just like everyone was on their feet, oh, we couldn't believe it. We've never even seen her be be challenged or hurt in a fight before, and then she gets knocked out, man. It was just crazy. But the Perth crowd were just loud. You could hear them on the broadcast, man, just loud through the walk-ins, loud through the fights. They were there, man. They were a, they were part of the event. You know, it wasn't just a crowd watching on. It was like they were part of the event, man. You, you, people who I've spoke to, to mates who were down there and just said it was deafening in the stadium, man. Like, what a crowd. What a night. Della looked awesome. Volt looked awesome. Aussies had a bit of a mixed bag of success and a couple of losses here and there, but they looked good in general, man. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a big year for some of the Aussies and Kiwi fighters in the UFC and a big year for the UFC in general, man. Like, uh, John Jones makes his return next month after, like, three years out at heavyweight, which has been speculated and talked about for so long. The heavyweight champ has not signed with the UFC, so it's left to him and the, the number one contender are fighting for the, for the vacant belt. And it's a good fight. A guy who doesn't have real one-punch knockout power, so we get to see John settle in a little bit. A guy who's long and really light in his feet, great movement, which is a great fight for John, because, like, you know, John's got good movement too. So we really get to see how John performs at heavyweight. And, you know, the story's always been that he dominates heavyweights in the training room and that if he ever moved up to heavyweight, he would clean house. So... It will be interesting to see how that pans out. That is a huge fight. John Jones coming back to fight Cyril Garn in the next year. I think it's the next event, so UFC 285 uh, in a couple of weeks, which I'm so excited about, man. It's going to be massive. Uh, Conor McGregor makes his return this year. He's, he's a coach on The Ultimate Fighter across from Michael Chandler, who's one of the most exciting fighters in the lightweight division. Uh, so they're going to coach uh, um, opp- opposing teams for whatever period of time. And then they're going to fight, the coaches fight at the end of that. So that'll be in like September later this year. So the return of Conor McGregor, good fight for him too. Really good, exciting guy who brings the action. Um, he's a top tier fighter, but there's ho- holes and openings there for, for McGregor to actually win that fight. So we'll see if, you know, if he loses this fight, man, that's too many losses in a row. And that is his career done sunk over so if you enjoy mixed martial arts and you enjoy the excitement and the thrill and the storyline that comes along with conor mcgregor you should be rooting for him in that fight even though Chandler's a top dude he's a great you know champion in, in bellator he's a top five top three fighter in the ufc since he's got here had some of the most exciting fights good dude you just root for him but for the 
excitement and the longevity of Connor's career and the storylines moving forward, you want Connor to win that. You want Connor to go in and to put him away emphatically and to be right back in. Actually, you want him to get. You want him to have to fight a few rounds. You don't want him to go in there and knock him out clean with a left hand early because the guy needs some time in the octagon, needs to build confidence, needs to get his timing back, just needs to feel the pressure in the moment and, and be in there and, uh, with some heat on him. So you want to see Connor go in there and have a bit of a fight and then put Chandler away. That's that's That'll be best-case scenario, um, really. And also, um, they're picking their coaches for the ultimate fighter at the moment and this is a side storyline that I think would be really awesome to see pan out Gordon Ryan who is the uh, consensus best Brazilian Jiu Jitsu competitor, player, whatever you want to call him, fighter of all time, right, this cat is in his mid 20s mid to late 20s he's undefeated in like 80 fights or contests um, he just submits everyone, big heavyweight, absolute freak Brazilian jiu-jitsu um, competitor, and he's offered to, to coach McGregor. So if that translated into him being McGregor's BJJ coach on the Ultimate Fighter and then training him and then helping him with his jiu-jitsu before the channel fight, that would be sick. Those two guys working together, that is a serious combination, man. That would be really cool, and he could help elevate Connor's game for sure. I'd love to see Connor kind of be a little bit humble and, and, and take that option, that offer up. Um, we'll see. We'll see what comes out of that, man. But that would be a cool side storyline. And another big fight we got coming this year is the Stylebender and Pereira uh, rematch. So Israel Adesanya, the Stylebender, is the New Zealand champ. He was considered one of the best well, he was considered right up there with Anderson Silva as far as uh, middleweight champ, like going to get down in the Hall of Fame, one of the best fighters to ever do it, one of the most dynamic strikers the UFC has ever seen. Absolute freak. Cleaned out the whole division. He was actually lapping the division, meaning he'd beat Robert Whittaker, who's an absolute beast, Australian guy, ex-champion. He'd beat Robert Whittaker twice. He'd beat Martin Vittori twice. He'd beat... Uh, who else did he fight twice? I think he fought someone else twice as well. He was cleaning out that division, man. And then his nemesis entered the sport about a year or two ago, a couple of years ago, who was uh, a kickboxer named Alex Pereira, who was the only guy to beat him in kickboxing. Beat him once by decision. Apparently it was a bad decision. And then beat him once in a fight that Pereira was losing, but beat beat. Uh, Stylebender by knockout in a kickboxing match, right? And then Stylebender came over to MMA and was undefeated. Oh no, he lost. He lost when he went up to light heavyweight, but was undefeated as a middleweight in in MMA. And this guy comes over from kickboxing, wins a few fights, and because of the background between them, gets an early title shot. And losing the fight for four and a half rounds to Stylebender. Stylebender's piecing him up and then knocks him out in the fifth, man. And it's like a heartbreak for this dude again. So these guys have this rivalry where people think that Stylebender's the better fighter and he's in the habit of winning these fights but then getting knocked out by Pereira and no one else can touch Stylebender. So they're going to have a rematch and that's going to be huge, man. Like, can Izzy get up on top of this dude that keeps knocking him out, man? That's fucking exciting. And and per, and again, for the UFC, for the fans, for the storylines, you want to see Izzy knock him out, dust him off, 
like knock him out, not not decision him. He needs to go in there and knock this cat out, and then send Pereira because Pereira is a huge middleweight. Send him up to light heavyweight to go fight the light heavyweight champ, Jamal uh, Jamal Hill, because. That would be an awesome fight, those two. So there's some cool storylines coming. There's some cool fights booked in. Let's hope they all materialise and everyone gets to the gets to the night with you know injury free and everything, and we get to see these fights. But what an exciting year it's going to be for the UFC, man! Just pumped, pumped. And you need something to be excited about if you live in Port Hedland this time of year uh, at the moment because there's bloody nothing to do, nothing to do. Mid mid Feb, February, February. You know, I only just realised the other day. This is weird, right? I only just realised, and maybe I knew it as a kid, and then forgot it and blocked it out or whatever. But I was reading the word February on the calendar at work, and like I must be like, uh, uh, must have just blanked it out. My mind must have just blanked this out and just shown me what I wanted to see, but. I only just realised that February has another R in it right after the B, like February. And some people say it like that too. They, oh, yeah, in February. And I think, what the fuck are you saying it like a retard for? It's because that's how it's spelt, man. I must have, honestly, I must have blanked that out. My whole life, whenever I look at the word February, and even when I write it, I don't put that first R in there. I write it as February, February, the same way I say it. But there's an R in there, man. February. February. It's a... What the fuck is... It doesn't sound right. It doesn't look right. I didn't even notice it was hiding in there. But just under the, you know, the shadow of the bee. February. That is weird, man. It doesn't make any sense to me. There's a few... A few words like that too, eh? Um, like, where if you say them the way they're written, you'll sound like a retard. Like, twelfth is one of those words, because I say it 12th, like as in T-W-E-L-T-H, 12th, but there's an F in there, after the L, it's 12th, 12th, so when people say, some people say the F, and then they don't bother with the th at the end, so you either overpronounce pronounce it by saying 12th, 12th, or you just say 12th, and when you say it correctly, you sound like an idiot, like a retard. Like you sound like one of those dudes who say Fs instead of th. So like dudes who say think. I think this and I thought that. I think that if I do... I don't know why I always think of them with an English accent. Aussies do it too, but... I think this and then I think if I do that and then I thought maybe if I, if I come down here and it was like the 12th time I'd done it. But 12th, 12th is, is the right way to say... Is the, well, it's how it's spelt anyway. 12th. I don't know, maybe it's a silent F. I've never heard of a silent F before. Twelfth. That's fucked up, isn't it? There's some of those words that are just... And then there's, yeah, there's some of those words that are awkward to say when you say them correctly like that. And then there's other words that they're awkward to say and I don't even know how to spell them. And I'm pretty good with my grammar and my spelling and pronunciation. But words like aesthetics... Aesthetics. It's all right if I say it now in an isolated manner, but if you try and use, which I do, because when you're talking about jobs, at sometimes you're talking about clearly the way something looks, and you say it's structurally sound and everything's right, it's done per the drawing and this and that, and but aesthetically it doesn't look right, and it just sounds weird when you use it sometimes in 
in combo like that. So I can't even spell the word, which I'm always never. I'm never really confident saying words that I can't spell. Aesthetically, aesthetic. I'm not sure how to spell that because when I write it on my computer, aesthetic, it doesn't. It doesn't come up correctly. Maybe I've. Uh, as no, I've just tried to recreate it on my computer. Don't know how to spell that word. Aesthetically, it's a weird word. That's a weird one. Um, so yeah, those words that make you self-conscious when you say them. Like, you kind of, if you're going to say them in public or in conversation, you kind of skim over the pronunciation and just hope no one picks it up, that you don't really know the word. You ever do that? <laughs> you like, you say it, but like you say, oh, you know, yeah, like aesthetically, aesthetically, it looks pretty good. You kind of mumble it out and they think, I think you just said aesthetically, but you mumbled it. But, you know, you've already moved on to the next part of the conversation then, so they never pull you up on it. Yeah, yeah, I do that sometimes. There's a few words like that. There's one, con- convalesce. Convalesce. When, again, when I slow it down and I look at the word and I say it on its own, I can, I can say it and it sounds right and, and I'm confident that I'm saying it correctly. Convalesce. Which is when you're like, you're healing from something. You're resting and healing, right? You, you convo- Here's where it gets tricky. When you try and plural, pluralise that word, it's, you're convalescing. Convalescing. Or the act of convalescing is called like it's yeah I can't even say it convalescence I think convalescence and that's why I'm just not confident saying that word but I've said it I've used it because it's a word I've read in books plenty of times but even when I read that word like in a book convalescence 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 I know it just I can never nail that word right it doesn't sound right when I say it even when I think I am saying it right it still sounds wrong to me it's just yeah it's weird. It's weird. And then, then there's also those words that you, you've you heard, but you've never seen written down. And then when you see them written down, you're either shocked by it or you don't even realise that's the word you're looking at. I had that with um, hyperbole. You know, when people talk about, oh, that's hyperbole. I hear the word all the time. It's hyperbole this, hyperbole that. And then I saw the word written down and I'm like reading it. I'm like, hyperbole? What's hyperbole? And then... I'm not sure if it was the context that twigged it for me or if I asked someone or whatever it was, but I figured out that hyperbole is hyperbole. It's just the way it's written. It does not, does not look the way you'd think it would look at all. But then when you think of the word hyperbole, how, how the fuck would that be written? I don't know. It's a weird word. It's a weird word. And then there's, um, then there's, there's words that different nations say, say strangely. Like Yanks have got a few of them. They'll say aluminum. The aluminum mine down the road instead of aluminium. Aluminum. The, uh, I think I've whinged about this one before. Craig. They talk about instead of Craig, they'll say Craig. Craig Jones. I saw it on Craig's list. Craig. I don't know where you get Craig from out of the name Craig. It's like Craig would be C R E G G. Craig The whole point of having an A with an I behind it Is to make the A sound Craig And the one G on the end softens the word Craig You know, like Craig It just Craig's list It's It's just I don't know uh, Graham's another one They say the word The name Graham is Graham Graham They just completely ignore 
the, uh, the the H and the second A is like G R A M Graham the Graham cracker Graham uh, Hancock Graham it's the word like English say that one properly Graham Graham which really it is it's Graham Aussies just say Graham Graham we put a Y in the middle we put a Y in the middle of that word Graham yeah mate Graham and the English oh you, oh you mean Graham you mean Graham Graham but the fucking Yanks man Graham Graham Emu's another one have you ever heard the Yanks say emu oh it's so annoying emu oh you seen that bird the emu down in Australia down in Australia emu it's really really crazy man I was staying in Melbourne Australia and they had these emus at the local zoo and just, what the fuck it's an emu it's an emu fucking emu they just and if you they hear other people say the word and they don't adjust they keep saying it the fucking wrong way man fucking poms poms got a few of them yogurt yogurt fucking instead of yogurt yogurt they say yogurt which again would be back to the double G if it was yogurt it would be double G yogurt it's not it's a single G so it softens the second part of the word uh, the first part of the word sorry yogurt yogurt that's the name yogurt not yogurt Pom's got a bunch of them. I can't think of them off the top of my head, though. I got a fucking bunch of words. They fucking butcher. I suppose the Aussies do it as well. Aussies do it too. One in particular uh, that a mate picked up on, an English mate picked up on, is um, maroon. We say the colour maroon, like maroon. So like the the Queensland uh, uh, state of origin team, they call them the, the maroons, the Queensland maroons. It's actually maroon. It's maroon. It's the colour maroon. The maroons. Like, it's fucking weird. I don't, I don't know what that... Is that one might be spelt maroon? That might be spelt with the second O in it. But it's like said maroon. I'm not sure. I think it's spelt... Is that two different words? Maroon and maroon? I don't know, man. I'm, I'm sure that... I think of maroon like you're marooned on an island somewhere, you know, and then the maroons, Queensland maroons, the maroons, it's a colour, right? It's the fucking colour, like a, it's like a purple. Maybe I'm tripping balls on that one. The other one uh, that Aussies say, though, for sure, is debut. They're talking about, like, someone's debut. This is debut album. They say it's his debut album. Oh, yes, first the young kid playing on debut tonight. Just, like, we're back to the double letter thing. Like, if debut, one, we know it's like a French word, so it's debut. It's like a different sound, right? But if it was going to be debut, there'd be a double B in it. Debut. Debut. It wouldn't be one B like that. It softens it. Debut. Debut. And pretty much any French word, the Aussies fucking trash. Anything Have you ever heard Like Well of course you've heard We're all, we're Aussie Have you Like you heard yourself When we order wine Like at a restaurant or something I'll get a Semillon Sauvignon Blanc Thanks We just We can't say it Like I'm, I'm sure It's meant to be like A Semillon Sauvignon Blanc Semillon Sauvignon Blanc But you can't do that As an Aussie You can't You hear Aussies When they try And mimic the way It's supposed to sound Hey, hey, can I please get a Semillon Sauvignon Blanc? 
you're like, don't be a fucking wanker. We know what it's supposed to say, but it's we call it a semi-on, savignon blank. That's just, that's our accent, man. It's unfortunate. That's how we speak. Call it a semsav. It's easier. Or a merlot. Oh, yeah, is that a merlot? It's a merlot, but, yeah, merlot. You could get away with saying Merlot. It's not as wanky as saying Semillon Sauvignon Blanc. A Semillon Sauvignon Blanc. Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir. <laughs> yeah, it's fucked. They don't really work with the Aussie accent, no these fucking words, do they? i tell you what the most Aussie fucking thing to order is. When we were young, I was honestly, when you didn't really care that much about the beer you were drinking, and especially if it was on, on special, we'd order Carlton Cold sometimes just so we could go through the drive through and go, I'll grab a cold carton of Carlton Cold, you can't. <laughs> Which is the most Aussiest thing you'll ever fucking order. Grab a cold carton of Carlton Cold, you can't. And when you're fucking 21, you don't fucking really care about going through a drive-thru and saying that and being a complete knob and this bloke just looks at you and just shakes his head and you go, come on, can't give us a cold carton of cotton cold. Fucking cold carton of cotton cold, you can't. That's a... <laughs> fucking used to always love that. Grab us a cold carton of cold. Grab us a cold carton of cotton cold. Fucking... Yeah, mate. Yeah. We definitely fucking... We definitely butcher words, mate. But again, I think the Americans are worse for it. And they just don't seem to give a fuck. They don't seem to give a fuck. Yeah. So, I think I went off on a tangent there because I was talking about the weather and it being uh, hot and boring in Port Hedland in February, February mid-February, and especially this fucking wet season if you can see me now, I'm doing it in inverted commas, or air quotes, wet season, because there's nothing wet about this season. It's not raining. It's just hot, muggy, dry. It's fucking boring. It's so boring in this town, man. No yacht club, no heady, no turf club, no restaurants. Tried to book a restaurant last night to go out with the wife and get babysitter for the kids. Um, the Pilbara Room, which is sort of the only actual restaurant in town. You can go to the Esplanade, but it hasn't got great reviews at the moment, and you'd end up sitting outside sweating your balls off or your boobies off. Um, so I called up to book a, 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 a table at the Pilbara Room. Oh, we're only open Monday to Friday right now. We're only open Monday to Friday right now. Who the... Who the fuck opens a restaurant between Monday and Friday? Tuesday to Sunday? Even Wednesday to Sunday I could handle. Monday to Friday, you fucking useless cunts. I fucking don't want to go back there out of principle now. Fuck you, you're not open on a Saturday night. Well, because you don't want to pay staff the right amount of money and they want to work there. Is that what it is? I bet that's what it is. That's fucking always what it is in this town. These pricks charge through the fucking nose for their food and their alcohol and they don't want to pay people the right amount of money so no one will work at their shitty fucking establishment so they can never be open. They can't run them properly. Far out, it drives me mad. I really hope that when the yacht club goes back out to tender to the private market that someone who knows how to run a pub or a tavern... um, 
picks it up and runs it properly with live music and good beers and good drinks and pays their staff correctly so they can maintain a good chef and some good bar staff. It's the best spot in town and it's just not over. And same goes for the Heady. When that when that's open, you'd hope, please, for goodness sake, these guys are supposed to know what they're doing. Please run that properly. We don't need anything flash. We just need something consistent that's open where we can go and have a pint or a beer or a bottle of wine and half-decent feed and sit outside on a nice decked area with shade over it and we'd be set. Especially me, I can walk there. It's a kilometre from my house. I can walk there and walk home after having a couple of pints. And, yeah, just... Oh, it's a hard town to live in right now, man. I keep saying it and I keep going on about it. Anyone who lives here knows what I'm talking about. This is the worst it's been since I've been here. The last, you know, since whatever, 12 years since I first moved here. It's the worst that we've ever been here. So hopefully hopefully things are on the up. Surely they can't get any worse than they are now. It's getting expensive to live here. There's heaps of work on. Uh, yet the town itself is five years behind. So we'll see what happens with that over the near, over the near future. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, a month till we go to Bali now. So super keen for that. Got this UFC fight in a fortnight away. So that's something to look forward to is a little break up. Uh, to break up that month before we got the Bali trip, and I'm so excited about Bali. I haven't been this excited to go somewhere for like for years since the last time we went to Bali. I have not been this excited, and I wasn't this excited last time I went to Bali Bali because I took it for granted. Um, oh, my GoPro keeps overheating and turning off. That happened last time at about the half hour mark. That's really odd. I'll have to fucking Google that, see what's going on. Maybe it's because I got it in that case. Fucking odd. Anyway, look, uh, I think that's it for me today. Um, yeah, it is. It is. We'll be back on next week trying to get back on the Friday night session rather than the Sunday. Um, moving forward and get some consistency. This will be up on uh, YouTube as well. So go check that out if you'd like to. Uh, thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast or wherever you listen to it on it. Please go and subscri- subscribe to that YouTube channel over at YouTube as well. It doesn't cost you anything. It, doesn't hurt. it, won't, even, it won't even suggest my videos to you. It's, all it is is another number on the counter for me that helps uh, move forward. So, yeah, subscribe, share, the, share the, the, the podcast episode with your mates, get some more people listening. Um, appreciate it. Appreciate your time. And that's it, episode number 142, Saved by the Bell, Average Man over and out. Poof.